Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Say say it is November 13th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers. So, to get right into it, the Miami Dolphins, who are 5-3, will be facing off against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are 2-6, this Sunday in Miami Gardens, Florida. The Dolphins are coming off of their fourth consecutive win, a thrilling offensive showcase against the Arizona Cardinals. The Chargers, on the other hand, in typical fashion for them, have had their fair share of bad luck this season and are coming off two very brutal losses. They have a point differential of minus 11 this season, which is on par with the Raiders and the Bears, who both have five wins. And remember, the Chargers only have two so far this season. So we'll begin by taking a look at the Miami Dolphins. If we look at their offense, in total offense, the Dolphins are 28th. In passing, they are 23rd. And in rushing, they are also 28th. The Dolphins' offense is led by quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. The rookie silenced many critics last week with his 248-yard two-touchdown performance against the Cardinals. In this game, he displayed terrific decision-making, ball security, composure, all of that, and it led to a Dolphins' three-point victory against the Cardinals. And Tua, in that game, also scrambled for 35 yards, including a nice 17-yard run for a first down. Though he's not really typically known as some sort of game-breaking run quarterback. His mobility was impressive, especially when you consider just one year ago, he suffered that devastating hip dislocation injury. Now, on the season, Tua has 350 passing yards and three touchdowns. He still does not have an interception, so that is very nice. The Dolphins, in terms of their running game, were, of course, without Miles Gaskin, and they were also without Matt Breida last week, and that led to Jordan Howard taking on the bulk of the work. They will once again be without Miles Gaskin this week, but Matt Breida is still listed as questionable for this week with a hamstring injury. He has been practicing in limited fashion. Now, Jordan Howard had yet another uninspiring game last week, averaging a mere two yards per carry. So, in comes Savan Ahmed, who led the Dolphins in rushing last week. And I said it last week, he displayed a terrific burst and ability to get to the outside. His speed looked great in that game. After the game, Coach Flores said he was impressed by Ahmed. He said, quote, I thought he ran well. He's got some juice. Pretty good for his first time out. There is a protection play that stands out to me that I thought could have been better. First time out, I thought he played well. He took advantage of the opportunity, close quote. I think when it comes to Ahmed having a role this week, it seems fairly guaranteed that it will be, uh, you know, he will have some sort of role in some way, shape, or form. Now, running back DeAndre Washington, who was acquired by the Dolphins at the trade deadline, could also be making his debut for the team. Washington, who had most of his success with the Oakland Raiders, was more so more of a change of pace uh, sort of back for the majority of his career. But in 2018, towards the tail end of this season, he did fairly well when he had opportunities as a workhorse back. So that kind of leads into my next point, that if DeAndre Washington ends up being active for this game, I would expect him to actually take over Jordan Howard's role, potentially signaling the end of Howard's usage 
for the Dolphins. Now, when it comes to the receivers here, the Dolphins' most productive receiver last week was Preston Williams, who had 60 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Now, Williams left the game with a foot injury and was later placed on IR. Mac Hollins came in and filled the role for Williams, catching an 11-yard touchdown pass in the third quarter. Now, this kind of leads into a question that somebody asked me on Twitter. His name is McClifford36, and thank you for the question. He asked, who steps up for the loss of Preston Williams? Uh, so when it comes to Hollins, Hollins is six foot four. He is the heaviest receiver on this team at 141 pounds. His massive stature could lead uh, to him having another week, I think, of heavy usage, kind of filling in this role for Preston Williams. Because if you look at the Dolphins' other receiving options right here, you have Jakeem Grant, you have Malcolm Perry, you have Lynn Bowden, and if you take all of them, they have a combined average height of five foot nine. So you know you need to have some sort of big receiver, especially when you want to throw downfield, which it seems like that's what Tua was doing with Preston Williams. I don't think he would feel as confident trying to test these deep balls to guys who have an average height of five foot nine. So from that aspect, I like what uh, Hollins could offer in this game, but the question doesn't get completely answered there because many fans have been clamoring uh, for the promotion of former Browns receiver Antonio Callaway. And Callaway would, I think, instantly become one of the most talented receivers on this team. And he would provide just this instant impact Throughout his career, he has 675 yards and five touchdowns in 20 career games. And if you look at a lot of the plays he is making, he's either catching, you know, a short slant, just taking it all the way down the field, or he's finding a gap in the defense and breaking it big over the top. So he also offers that deep, uh, deep ball potential. So Antonio Callaway would be the more exciting option. Now, Armando Salguero was saying that he thinks that Callaway needs more time and he likes what Hollins has uh, to offer. And don't get me wrong, I like that too but I don't think the Dolphins right now are in a position where they have the liberty to kind of just give a player more time. I think this is a kind of an instant, immediate need, especially with how the Dolphins are competing. If you have Devontae Parker or Hollins go down in this upcoming week, what's going to happen? Who are you going to have left to throw to, especially in a game that could be as high octane in terms of offense with Justin Herbert on the opposite end? I would be completely for them activating Antonio Callaway for this game just because of that instant impact that he could have, and I hope they elect to go that route. Now, he was suspended the first eight games for breaking the NFL's substance abuse policy, in case you were wondering where he was, but that's the story with Antonio Callaway. Now, we move on to Devontae Parker, who was the team's leading receiver last week. Now, this season, he has taken on a role of working more in the intermediate game. His big playability has not really been displayed this season. He only has five catches of 20-plus yards, and he has a long of 28 yards. Now, tight end Mike Gesicki has not really taken off in the way that many fans would have hoped for. Though he had several clutch plays last week, he only totaled 42 yards, and that gives him 50 yards over the last three games. And with Durham Smythe and with Adam Shaheen also playing well right now, it's fair to wonder whether Mike Gesicki will take that leap to becoming an elite tight end this season. And for right now, I'll say that I think that scenario kind of seems a little bit doubtful. Now we move on to the offensive line for Miami. Uh, they had a decent game last week, but more importantly, it featured the return of tackle Austin Jackson, who had been playing well and showing promise before his foot injury. He had a few moments against Arizona where he definitely showed some rust, including giving up his first sack of the season, but getting him back is just a massive addition and a huge plus for the team moving forward. In the second half, guard Solomon Kinley was benched in favor
favor of Jesse Davis. Now, it's unknown whether this change was permanent and will be implemented again this week. Kinley was regarded as a mauler all season, so him being taken off the field was a shock for many. Now, if we look at the Dolphins on the defensive side of the ball, in total yards allowed, they are 22nd. In passing yards allowed, they are 21st. And in rushing yards allowed, they are 26th. Now, the Cardinals presented a difficult challenge for Miami last week. Kyler Murray had nearly 300 yards passing and 109 yards rushing. He was dicing up the defense for most of the game. But at the same time, it's tough for me to say the Dolphins' defense was bad. On the first drive, Emmanuel Ogba stripped Kyler Murray, allowing Shaq Lawson to recover and get a touchdown. That's the second straight week now with a defensive score for Miami. Now, Christian Kirk, he had a few big plays on Byron Jones, including a huge 70-yard touchdown. But then on the other side, you look, Xavier Howard held DeAndre Hopkins to 30 yards. Now, Kyler Murray, 109 yards rushing, but at the same time, the Dolphins held Chase Edmonds to under three yards per carry. So while there was some clear downsides to last week's performance, it's not really quite enough for me to somehow come to the conclusion that, oh yeah, now the Dolphins defense is flat out bad. I'm not going to say that. I'm still of the mindset that the Dolphins defense is very legit, but just you can't expect them to go out and play lights out every single week, especially against a guy like Kyler Murray in an offense that was playing that well. Now, uh, the Dolphins could be potentially without linebacker Kyle Van Noy and defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. The team placed both of them on the COVID-19 reserve list on Tuesday. Now, this would be the second game that Van Noy missed, the other one being against the New York Jets earlier in the season. Now, now, if Van Noy is unable to play, that would presumably mean more of a role for Camus Grugier-Hill and for Sam Eguavon. Now, if you remember back to that Jets game, uh, Camus Grugier-Hill left that game with a concussion and actually led to more of a role for Eguavon, and he did pretty well in that game. Again, it was against the Jets, so maybe, you know, uh, limit your expectations, but I'm still relatively confident in his ability to take over that role, but nonetheless, a massive loss. And then Christian Wilkins, who has really kind of taken on a role of uh, being the heartbeat of the defense and, you know, causing a lot of disruption and especially coming on strong in recent weeks, he would also be a massive loss for the team. Now, Emmanuel Ogba has emerged as arguably the best player this season for the entire Dolphins team. His seven sacks are fourth in the NFL. He has two strip sacks that led to a score in back-to-back -back games. There are no reasons this week to expect his production to slow down. Now, Xavier Howard has fallen from first First in the NFL in interceptions to now second, and he has been shadowing the opponent's wide receiver one for most of the season. Now this week will present another tough challenge for him as he faces Keenan Allen, who very well might be the most impressive route runner in the entire NFL. And then Byron Jones will be looking to bounce back after last week's performance where he allowed two touchdowns, and he will be likely tasked with covering the big six foot four receiver Mike Williams. Now Williams is capable of making fun phenomenal contested catches, but at the same time, he is also capable of being rendered a non-factor in a ton of games. Now, we're going to go and take a look at the Los Angeles Chargers, and we will begin with their offense. Now, offensively, in total offense, the Chargers are second. In passing, they are fifth, and in rushing, they are eighth. The Chargers offense is led by quarterback Justin Herbert. Herbert has caught the attention of many for his electric arm, his large frame, and his impressive 
impressive mobility. Herbert can get plenty of zip on the ball without really using much effort at all, leading to some very impressive highlight reel plays. And despite having only played in seven games this season, Herbert is currently eighth in the NFL in touchdown passes. His 306 passing yards per game is currently third in the NFL behind only Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Now, if we take a look at the Chargers rushing game here, they will once again be without Austin Eckler, who suffered a really severe hamstring injury back in week four that actually had some tendon damage as well. The team has now turned to Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, and most recently, former Dolphin Kalen Balaj. Now, Justin Jackson left last week in the first quarter, which allowed Kalen Balaj to have one of his better games in years. He finished a game with 69 yards and a rushing touchdown. Now, Jackson, who is currently listed as questionable for the game and who also did not practice on Thursday, may miss this game, and that will likely lead to Kalen Balaj being the lead back once again for the Chargers in this upcoming game. Now, the Chargers receiving group is led by Keenan Allen. As mentioned earlier, Allen is an elite-level route runner. He is second in the NFL in receptions, and he is 11th in receiving yards. Last week, he had 103 yards and a touchdown against the Raiders. Kind of like with Devontae Parker, how I mentioned earlier, Allen has really been thriving in these intermediate to the short game. He hasn't really been used too much on the deep balls. Allen only has four catches this season beyond 20 yards, so that isn't really uh, showcasing some sort of deep threat ability this season. Now, receiver Mike Williams, on the other hand, has an abundance of highlight reel plays, but in between those, there could be a whole lot of nothing. Williams had over a thousand yards last season, and in 2018, he had 10 touchdowns. After that, analysts were just enamored with his potential as a red zone threat, but even with Herbert kind of reigniting this offense, he hasn't really been able to capitalize on the hype consistently. I will say, however, he has over 80 yards in three of the last four games, so that might be showing that he could put an end to that narrative once and for all. Fantasy football website Roto Baller believes that Mike Williams has a favorable matchup this week against Miami. Now, if we take a look at the Chargers defense, they are 14th in total yards allowed, and in passing, they are 16th, and in rushing, they are 15th. The Chargers defense has been the weak point of the team. They are 27th in the NFL in interceptions. They are 28th in the league in forced fumbles. They simply cannot cause any sort of turnovers. On top of that, they are 29th in yards per carry allowed, and overall, just a very vulnerable defensive unit. The Chargers and the Gus Bradley-led defense rely on very limited blitzes and zone coverage. The Chargers have blitzed on 13 0.6% of plays, which is by far the fewest in the entire NFL. Joey Bosa, the star of the defense, is dealing with a concussion. He practiced in limited fashion on Thursday and is still questionable for Sunday's game. He has been the highest rated player on the Chargers defense per pro football focus, and he has 4.5 sacks on the season. Now, cornerback Casey Hayward had a nice little run for the past couple of years where he was among the top cornerbacks in the entire NFL. But this year, the 31-year-old is showing some serious regression. He has been targeted heavily this season and has already given up more touchdowns this year than he has in the two previous seasons, and that is per Michael Peterson of SB Nation. Now, last week, he was burned yet again by Raiders receiver Nelson Aguilar, so I expect this to be a game that offers some good opportunities for wide receiver Devontae Parker. Now, the linebacker group for Los Angeles is pretty good on paper. Rookie Kenneth Murray will 
will be returning to his starting role this week after being briefly benched last week in favor of Denzel Perriman. Now, uh, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley said that his benching was due to communication issues and the Chargers are now wondering if they put too much on his plate too fast. But again, he will be returning to his starting role per the Chargers. Now, we're going to get into my expectations for this game. The first expectation that I have is that this is a close game. It's easy to look at the Chargers record and think that they're a terrible team and this should be striked up as some easy win for Miami, but the Chargers have been narrowly losing most of their games and with several coming on last minute plays. Herbert is capable of running a fast paced offense and putting up colossal numbers. Even if the Dolphins get out to a lead early, I expect Herbert to be able to keep the Chargers close in this game. My next expectation is that the Dolphins defense looks better than they did last week. Last week, the Dolphins were having success with that cover zero heavy blitz game plan until Kyler Murray took advantage of the lack of safety over the top. Herbert is mobile, but not as mobile as Kyler Murray. If the Dolphins apply that same kind of pressure that they have been applying over the last several weeks, I think it should warrant some success. Now, my last expectation for this game is that Devontae Parker has a big day. After a few weeks now where the Dolphins have played either a respectable secondary or had a game flow that didn't require much passing, this game, I think, will now feature the opposite of both of those. The Chargers defense can't contain above average receivers. They gave up huge days to Mike Evans, to Tyreek Hill, to Emmanuel Sanders, Jerry Judy. Unless the Dolphins are up massive, I expect Parker to be fairly productive in this one. Plus, no team has given up more passing plays of 40 plus yards this season than the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, we're going to go into my keys to the victory for this game. My first one is to play mistake-free football. Playing a sound game against the Chargers is just an easy way to get a huge advantage, given the Chargers' tendency to implode and beat themselves. Senseless turnovers, bad penalties, bad play calls, anything like that will make this game unnecessarily tough for the Dolphins. My next key to the victory here is protect Tua. Though Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram haven't been playing lights out like in previous years, they are still a very strong duo that are capable of disrupting an entire game. This game will need some solid play at the edges of this offensive line in order to produce an offensive performance like last week's. Now my last key to the victory for this game is get the ground game going. It's shocking how well the Dolphins are playing with a relatively non-existent rushing game. Though it may not be necessary for them to have a rushing game in order to win, it sure would help tremendously. I think Washington and Ahmed are really capable of stringing together a solid game and having Brita back too would also be a massive plus. Just please, all I'm asking for is no more wasted carries giving them to Jordan Howard. Guys, that is going to wrap up my preview for this game. I would love to know what you guys think. Is there anything that I potentially missed? Are there any comments that you agree or disagree with? Feel free to let me know on Twitter if you could follow me on there as well. Of course, that would be an awesome and huge help for me. That is at via the source and at Shady Steven. If you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app if you enjoyed it. Again, that also helps the podcast tremendously and I can't thank you guys enough for it. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso, and this was Via the Source.